Good morning. We're reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea beyond the land of Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. You have broken. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel on the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Praise the word of the Lord. Amen. That's the passage we're going to be living in for the next four weeks. Really just the one verse, Isaiah 9, 6. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's our timeline for the next four weeks. That's our table of contents for the next four Sundays. We're going to learn about those four names the names of Christmas, the names of Jesus, the names that we need, the names that we long for to give us life as we need it. So with that being said, I, I recently heard a story of um, a husband and a wife who were talking about what, what each other wanted for Christmas, and they both were struggling to find answers. And the husband finally just said, you know, I think the best gift that I can give you, my wife, is for me to get a counselor for Christmas, to have someone to talk through my problems with, to talk through my deepest struggles with. And uh, in all transparency, that's a, it's a silly conversation, um, but it's a truthful conversation. And that conversation was me to my wife about three weeks ago. Uh, and we were joking in some sense, but in another real sense, it was a serious thing. It's like maybe the best gift I can give my wife for Christmas is for me to have someone to talk to about difficult things in life so everything doesn't just get thrown onto one person. And the reason I share that story in vulnerability or transparency to you is because I think, I think more and more of us are seeing a deep need for a counselor in our life. And that's what we're going to be investigating 
this morning on the deepest possible level. Jesus as our wonderful counselor. What do you want for Christmas? What is it that if you had to identify on your deepest heart level, you need the most? You know, if you look around the state of the world today, it's not hard to see that people are weary, people are lonely, people are tired, people are broken. There's a reason why some churches have what's called a blue Christmas service. I know of a church in downtown Beverly that's going to have one this year for people that just need to go to a Christmas service that isn't quite so joyful to go to a service where they can be met with their blueness. And I think a lot of people resonate with that because Christmas can be a difficult time for many. People in our world today have also just, we've lost our sense of wonder in a lot of sense as well. How do we, how do we step into the wonder of Christmas and actually believe that it could be true beyond the lights, beyond the, the nostalgia but into something deep and resonant about this season. So in our, in our life's darkest moments, in our life's most weary moments, where do we turn? We have some options of places we can turn to when things get blue, when things get difficult, when things get hard. And one of the places you can turn to is the things of this world. And I, later on in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 41, verse 28, he specifically addresses this. And he's talking about idols that we make or you know, creating with our hands things that will bring us joy or try to bring an escape for us out of this world. And this is what Isaiah says about these idols. He says, but when I look for good news, that's the context. When I look for the good news, there is no one. Among these idols, there is no counselor who, when I ask, gives an answer. Behold, they are all a delusion. Their works are nothing. Their metal images are an empty wind. So if that's one option of of trying to find counseling in our world, Isaiah is directing us to somewhere else. And maybe another option just like I'm not going to give an exhaustive list, but I'll just give one more option. Another option of looking for counsel or for help is government, politics, leaders. And Isaiah 9, 6 pretty much directly addresses that one as well. You know, many of us in our own country have been swept up in the the allure that maybe if a certain political party would be elected or maybe if a certain candidate would be elected, then our problems would go down. Our, our, we, would, we would cease to have as much struggle, personally and largely. But Isaiah 9, 6, do you see that it, it explicitly mentions the government twice? Do you see that? It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and that the government will be on his shoulder. The government, the overarching government. And then in verse 7, it says, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So if we're looking to our modern day politics or our modern day governance to provide ultimate counsel or peace or help, we're also going to be up a creek as well. So the option that the Bible gives, the option that the prophet Isaiah points forward to is the son, the son of God who we learn later in the scripture, his name is Jesus. 
And here, what we're going to focus on this morning is the wonderful counselor. The son of God as the wonderful counselor. In, in Hebrew, that word, that phrase, wonderful counselor, it's not an adjective and a noun. It's not like counselor is the noun and he's a wonderful counselor. Like he's a really good counselor. It's actually not, doesn't, it's actually not the way it comes across in the Hebrew language. It's really more wonder counselor. Like a, it's a one title. So it's not that his counsel is just amazing. It's that his counseling is full of wonder. It somehow is one idea together. Or as, as the Greeks would translate it later, it would it almost come across literally as the mega council messenger. Like the mega messenger. Like this, this person's going to come and deliver the best news possible and it's going to be you, the only way to describe it is the mega messenger. Almost like we talk about the mega jackpot. Jesus is the mega counselor, the mega messenger. And so that's what we're going to investigate this morning. Jesus as the counselor. Jesus as the wonder-filled counselor. What, are these, what does this mean for us? Let's look first at just the idea of Jesus being the world's counselor. Jesus takes counsel from no one. Have you ever thought about that? That the baby that was born and that would grow into the savior of the world 33 years later when he died on the cross for our sins, he took counsel from no one. He was God in the flesh. The only one that Jesus, the human, was submitting to ultimately was God the Father, and they are one. He is the top of the council chain of the whole world for all time. There is no one who can give counsel to God, is the other way to put it. Leaders, politicians, parents, pastors, real counselors who have trained counseling experience, all of them are under the ultimate counsel authority of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's a, it's a pretty simple comment in one sense, but kind of astounding to actually make that comment aloud. No one can give counsel to Jesus because he's actually at the very top of the counseling chain. There's no one more qualified, more compassionate, more understanding, or more wise, more willing to give help, more qualified to give help than Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament in Romans 11 puts it this way. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's what Paul says. He says, no one can give him counsel because he is the ultimate counselor. So that's one part of it. Second part is the counsel that Jesus delivers. Not only can no one give him counsel because he's at the top, but the counsel that then Jesus does deliver to us is limitless. The counsel and the help that he gives is more and more and abundant and overflowing. It never ceases. 
it continues to us in limitless fashion. He has no limit to his knowledge and wisdom. Isaiah in in chapter 11, which is another famous kind of Christmas passage to read, it says, it's talking about the son who's coming. It says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. All that is resting on the son of God, Jesus. And the limitless counsel that he gives is all good things. You know, the Bible talks a ton about what, you know, when God gives something, he gives goodness. Psalm 104 says, God, when you open your hand, they are filled with good things. You know, I I think about, as I'm saying that now, I'm thinking about times when my children, when they were younger, they're still young, but especially when they were really younger, they would, they would play this game where they would put something in their hand and come up to me and say, daddy, guess what's in my hand? And you just don't know what's on the other side of that when you're a parent. Sometimes it would be a bug. Sometimes it would be a $5 bill. Sometimes it would be a toy. You just don't know. It was very unpredictable. But the scriptures here tell us that when God opens his hand, it's filled with good things. Good things. They flow out of his hand. Psalm 107, he satisfies the longing soul, the hungry soul. He fills with good things. Again, think about going to a restaurant. You order off a menu, and I hope this is going to be good. Sometimes it comes out of that kitchen really delicious, and we've all been that, to the, that, that restaurant or that place where it comes out of the kitchen a little, a little sideways and a little not good. But with Jesus, the longing soul, the hungry soul, he fills with good things. Jesus is the world's counselor, but I just need to say this here because like I said at the very beginning of the service, sometimes counseling, like human counseling is also very needed for people. There is a great role for counselors and therapists today. And I would encourage us as a church to be praying for that field today. Because if there's one group of professionals, maybe in addition to nurses and doctors, but if there's one other field that in the last two or three years we've grown to appreciate more and more and seen how busy and exhausted and overwhelmed a group of people is, it's the field of counseling and therapy. Coming out of the pandemic, coming out of uh, just a really trying time for so many they are exa- All the counselors I know are exhausted and have wait lists this long because people need to talk to somebody. And so I encourage you, if you have any kind of darkness that you're dealing with, any, any problems that you just don't know who to talk to, that you know, your friends can only give you a certain amount of counsel, that there are professionals that I would really encourage you to, to, to consider. And we can help you find those as a church here. If you have mental health needs, experience trauma, are depressed or struggling, or just need someone to talk to, um, we'd be happy to direct you to good people. And the church can play a role in that, but there's also professionals who are trained so well just for that. God uses wonderful people around the world to do amazing common grace work in the field of counseling and therapy. And there's some wonderful Christian counselors in New England as well that we could point you to. 
But this is also to say, as I say that, that the best counseling you can get, if it never ultimately arrives to the chief counselor, Jesus, God himself, it will be limited. Jesus is the only limitless counselor. He's the only true, full, perfect counselor. So all the other counselors with a little C lead up to the counselor with the big C. And so Jesus is alone the ultimate caregiver. His, his care is the only lasting, soul-changing care that ultimately will change your life. So the counselors of this earth are meant to ultimately point you to the true and greater counselor. You know, there's a, a phrase you've probably heard before, and I think a number of people have, have quoted it, but Hudson Taylor, I think, is the most famous one who, who quoted it, talking about you know, Jesus and, and what he offers us. But he says, Christ is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Meaning that Jesus is either everything you need or he's not really the Lord at all. And that's what we trust Jesus to be, especially with things like counseling, is he is the ultimate counsel giver. Now, I've been kind of general, I guess, in this so far about counseling, Jesus being a counselor. What does that even really mean? Um, we're going to get into that now with this, this second. This is my second and final point is the counsel that Jesus gives. And the counsel that we really truly need is not just advice, not just even help, but it circles around this word wonderful. Wonderful. That's what the English translates it here for us. Wonderful counselor. And again, like I said at the beginning, it's not an adjective. It's not like Jesus's counsel is really good. Just like, oh, that cheeseburger was really wonderful. It's no, Jesus's counsel is it in and of itself is a wonder. And again, I think we struggle as Americans to even know what that word wonder really entails. It kind of, the word wonder invites us, invites our imagination to go to a place that is almost incomprehensible. Something so good, something so pure, something so beautiful that I think we're a little afraid to go to sometimes. But I, I invite you during this season of Advent and today to let your heart get captivated by wonder, by beauty, by something transcendent. And that's the counsel that Jesus offers us, wonder-filled counsel. The book of Judges, um, there's a, a story where an angel of the Lord shows up to someone and the angel of the Lord responds back to this person saying, why do you ask me my name? Seeing that it is wonderful. Or in the book of Isaiah, verse, uh, chapter 28, verse 29, it says, this also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. So in one sense, when we're talking about the wonder of Jesus and the counsel that he gives, we're talking about his character, his very heart, his very, his very breath for you is wonderful. It is meant to captivate you, meant to send you into the, the mystery of something that's totally other than you. Jesus is not... He was a human. He was born in the flesh to relate to us, to die our death. And he relates to us in that sin. But he also is so other than us, 
so different, so wonderful, so much what we need. You know, why would you go to something that is the same as you, exactly the same as you, when God is sitting there as wonderful counselor, sitting above it all, seeing everything stretched out and saying, let me give you the wonderful the wonderful counsel that you need the most. And let me, let me flow it out from my character to you because I love you that much, because my compassion is for you that much, because my kindness extends down to you that much. Again, remember, we're not invited to walk up the tall staircase to the counselor sitting up at the ivory tower. We're not, we're not told to, to you know, take the elevator to the very top and pay the highest price for our counsel. We're simply invited to sit in the mud and the mire of our life and our brokenness and have the wonderful counselor descend the staircase to our depths and meet us in our place. Remember, he paid our price to come to us. We don't pay the 50 bucks an hour to get up to his counseling office. He comes to us. The counseling office with Jesus is our life, is our brokenness. And that's his character coming down to us because he's wonderful. That's who God is. Do you trust that during this season, during your broken times, during your dark moments? Do you trust that God is for you, that he loves you? He's compassionate. He's kind. He wants to see you whole. He wants to see you better. He wants to see you for who he made you to be. And that's where his deeds, Jesus' wonderful actions, his wonderful deeds then just flow out to us as well. Not just his character, but actually what he does towards us. The movement he makes towards us in action is wonderful as well. So I'm looking here at a list of at least four verses, all from the Psalms and from Isaiah, that basically all say the same thing. They're all saying, you have done wonderful things, God. You have shown us wonderful deeds Psalm 9, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 139, it says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it so well. How, how does all this come to us today? Because Isaiah was written 400 BC, you know, 400 years before the time of Jesus. Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. That feels like a long time ago. How does this meet us today? When Jesus left the earth, when he rose from the dead on the third day, when he ascended into heaven, what did he say? He said, I'm going because it's better for you if I go, because I'm gonna leave my counselor with you, my helper. That's actually how the Holy Spirit is described. In John 14 and in John 16, Jesus describes, he says, when I leave, it's gonna be better for you because my Holy Spirit will live with you. He is the, he is the counselor is how it's described. Some, some translations call him the helper or the comforter, but it all means the same. It is Isaiah 9, 6 for you and I today, that by trusting and believing in Jesus, we have the wonderful counselor living in our hearts always to convict us of sins, to comfort us in our deepest afflictions, to guide us into all truth, 
to encourage us to live a life of full health, of fullness, of wholeness, of deep peace. I encourage you to look at John 14 and 16 at some point in the week ahead and just allow your heart to be grabbed by the wonderful counselor that is given to us at Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit rushes down on the earliest believers and when the Holy Spirit rushes down on you at the moment of faith, you have the ultimate counselor living in your life always. Limitless, without appointment needed, he's with you always. And his counsel will bring hope, joy, a return of wonder, and things that were previously impossible now can become possible again. And I don't know what that means specifically for your life, but I know that there's some things that each of you are facing in your life that feel impossible or feel hopeless or feel joyless. And the wonderful counselor is with you through faith in Jesus, always, even to the end of the age. Just to bring this home, let me close with um, two little stories. One is by... um, a guy named Lee Strobel, who wrote a book called The Case for Christ many years ago. And he has a new book that's, I'm not sure if it's released yet. Um, if it's not released, it's, it's coming soon, but it's called The Case for Miracles. I, I think I'll read that book. I could use some miracles in my life. Um, and he, he interviews a doctor as like a little excerpt of the book. And this is what their interaction is. He, he asks this doctor, he says, If God is the most likely explanation for our universe and our planet, then what can we logically deduce about him from scientific evidence? And this is what the doctor says. Several things. First, he says, he must be transcendent because he exists apart from creation. Secondly, he must be spirit since he existed before the physical world. Third, He must be timeless or eternal since he existed before physical time was created. Fourth, he must be powerful given the immense energy of the Big Bang, for instance. Fifth, he must be smart given the fact that something like the Big Bang was not some chaotic event but was masterfully fine-tuned. Sixth, he must be personal because a decision had to be made to create. Seventh, he had to be creative. Because if you look at the wonders of the universe, and eighth, he must be caring because he so purposefully created a life for us. See how quickly he went from God being creator to he cares for us. That's the logical deduction here. And then this last story I'll tell you is, is a poem And it's called First Coming. It's a poem for Advent that I would encourage you just to prayerfully receive as we finish this morning. It's by Madeline L'Engle. And she says this, speaking of Christ's first coming. He did not wait till the world was ready, till men and nations were at peace. He came when the heavens were unsteady and prisoners cried out for release. He did not wait for the perfect time. He came when the need was deep and great. He dined with sinners and all their grime and turned water into wine. He did not wait till hearts were pure 
In joy he came to a tarnished world of sin and doubt, to a world like ours of anguished shame. He came and his light would not go out. He came to a world which did not mesh to heal its tangles, shield its scorn. In the mystery of the word made flesh, the maker of the stars was born. We cannot wait till the world is sane to raise our songs with joyful voice. For to share our grief, to touch our pain, he came with love. Rejoice, rejoice. That is what we enter into in the season of Advent. And that's why we're going to finish our service this morning with joy to the world. Because that's what the wonderful counselor gives us is joy. And so we begin the season of Advent by singing joy to the world. So Javier and Sydney, would you all come lead us and Aiden? And uh, would you stand and sing joy to the world with us as we finish our service?